Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, it is officially spring, score one for the good guys, which means warmer weather, which means you don't need as heavy a clothes. So maybe you may want to lighten up your wardrobe a little bit by head over to Leon Tailoring. That's right, maybe a nice spring jacket or maybe a nice pair of slacks or trousers or perhaps a nice spring dress uh, for the ladies in our audience. No matter what it is, Leon Tailoring can take care of all your spring needs. So spring on over Leon Tailoring. Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy, happy to see you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown. Indianapolis. Well, with property tax assessments kind of giving some folks sticker shock, we thought we'd take a few minutes and kind of walk through how exactly assessments work and what exactly is going on. And joining us uh, on the news line right now is our good friend David Bodoff of the Association of Indiana County. So, David, my friend, thank you very much for being with us. Always good to have you here. Great. Thanks for the invitation. Not a problem, sir. Uh, so, let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, what's going on with assessments? Yeah, uh, the the market for the last several years, of course, has been hot, right? The uh, housing market, and that is always reflected in assessed value because assessed value um, that's assigned by the assessor really reflects what a piece of property would sell for on the open market. And property taxes in Indiana have really been stable and predictable for the past probably 10 or 12 years, but the market um, has really created a challenge for the assessors and, and for taxpayers because AVs are increasing so much and so rapidly. But the, one of the, you know, there are several uh, protections built into the property tax system, though, but as assessed value increases, the property tax rate generally decreases, which is a protection that's already built into the system for taxpayers. Um, so help us out here. How exactly does an assessment work? Do, does someone come out to my house and sort of look at, okay, they remodeled this year, so the assessment's going up, or is it, or is it more or global than that? Um, yeah, so every four years they do what's called a physical inspection. They'll, they'll drive by and look at it. Um, air, they use aerial photography as well. Um, but in between the physical review, meaning coming out and looking at the house to make sure you haven't either put in a swimming pool or tore down a building, they want to make sure the property record card reflects um, what's actually on the property. And so every uh, taxpayer can go to their county website and look up to see to make sure that the description of the property that the county is using is accurate. Because again, if, if you made changes, especially if you took away a building, uh, that needs to be reflected. Or maybe if the county says they assume you have a finished basement and it's an unfinished basement, things like that that are easily fixed just through a phone call from the from the taxpayers to the county assessor. But they base, for the most part, they use sales data, right? There's a sales disclosure form that gets filled out every time of property transfers, and the assessor uses the data on that form to find out what's happening with the trend in the market prices, and then that eventually gets reflected in the assessed value that the government uses to um, uh, eventually co collect property taxes from. Now, I know, David, one of the things that uh, I know has some folks concerned is that, uh, obviously, uh, you're right, you know, when the, when the market increases, the home values increase, and your assessment goes up. But uh, for what those folks who are thinking, like, okay, I, I see, I get that, but I'm not going to be selling my house anytime soon. I'm not going to be moving. I didn't make any improvements, but now my house is worth, you know, the, the assessment's going up like 15, you know, 20 percent. Right. And, um, and I, you know, I realize that's 
a unrealized asset gain. And I think that's always been part of the property tax system. But because the General Assembly has put in these protections, like if it's a homestead, you get a certain amount uh, of the assessed values uh, deducted before the taxes are applied. And then really, they, they put in what's called the supplemental deduction. And that's a percentage of the assessed value of the property. So as the assessed value increases, the supplemental deduction removes more of the assessed value um, from from taxation. So that is a protection that's built in there. And of course, Indiana has what I call the the ultimate backstop protection, protection, which is the 1% circuit breaker cap for homesteads. And, And to your point, though, Usually, assessed value goes up, you know, three, four, five percent, maybe. But because we've seen double-digit inflations the last few years, it is creating um, some questions and problems, and and it will result in some people's property taxes increasing more than normal. But because we have that constitutional cap, they're guaranteed that their property tax bill will not be more than one percent of their assessed value. Our guest on the program today is our good friend David Baudoff. David is the head of the Association of Indiana Counties. And so we're talking about your property tax bill and assessments in particular. Uh, assessments would have gone up, and that's going to cause some sticker shock uh, for a lot of folks here uh, in the state of Indiana. Uh, David, uh, it's interesting we got property tax caps. A lot of folks thought that by implementing the tax caps more than you know, 10 years ago and some change, that that would get uh, skyrocketing property taxes uh, under control. Yeah, and really, Indiana is a relatively low property tax state. We're about 22nd nationally, um, so th- th- that's a positive. But yeah, but the St. John's case, which is often referred to and really created the new standard for how assessments work in Indiana, uh, it's based on market value. And so, um, as mentioned earlier, nobody really would have predicted a 10% increase in uh, value one year over another, or even higher. I mean, I'm hearing, you know, and, and seeing uh, people whose taxes, whose assessed value has gone up 10, 12, 15%. But generally, their property tax bill is not going to go up that high because, uh, again, the tax rate will come down. So um, it, it, it has created a challenge. I've talked to a lot of legislators. Um, seeing how many phone calls they're receiving, if there's something that we should be working on for the 2023 uh, property tax bill. And uh, I think those discussions will continue as as more counties send out their notices of assessed value to taxpayers and to see what see what's going to happen to next year's property tax bills. Uh, David, realistically, what can lawmakers do uh, to assist Hoosiers? Like I said, we're, we're sort of in a weird time because, like you said, normally property taxes assessments go about 3 to 5%. Because of the past few years between the inflation and the housing market, it's gone up a lot more than that. What can lawmakers realistically do to help uh, Hoosiers mitigate uh, what they may think are high assessments? Um, or again, the assessment has to reflect market value. So really, if they're going to do something, an additional protection for property taxpayers, it has to be on the property tax bill side of it, right? So assess value, again, the assessor's looking at that market value. What would this property sell for in an open transaction? And everybody needs to meet that standard for assess value. So if you're going to provide some additional protections, it really needs to happen on the tax bill side after the tax rate is established. Um, they, you know, the state used to have a property tax replacement credit that was eliminated back when the state took over um, uh, helping pay for school general fund and then took over some of the welfare levies, and those levies went away, so that provided additional property tax relief. But, um, uh, you know, I, I think we just have to do a little bit more evaluation to see how far the property tax rate will decrease next year um, before the General Assembly 
uh, takes action uh, prematurely. But I do know they're hearing from people about how high their assessed value has gone up from last year to this year. And again, it's real easy for a taxpayer to verify if that assessed value is correct. They can they can contact the county. They can look at how much houses have sold in their neighborhood, and they can also look at um, you know construction costs and things like that. That's all the data this assessor uses to to establish that value. And again, it's important to remember assessors are elected directly by the people. They don't work for government, right? I know there are some people who think, oh, assessed value has gone up because the assessor is trying to help my county or my cities and towns or my school corporations. But that's not how that works. I mean, they're professionals. They have to to have certification. The Department of Local Government Finance reviews their work. And so their job is to get that assessed value correct. And then, again, if you want to limit the tax increase, that has to be done on what we call the auditor side of the equation. Our guest on the program today, David Bodoff. David is the head of the Association of Indiana Counties. Talk about your property tax bills and assessments and the whole nine yards. Uh, David, something uh, a colleague of mine here at the radio station, we got into a little friendly debate a discussion about uh, what lawmakers could realistically do to help Hoosiers with, with high property taxes. And his thing was, well, could they just freeze the assessments? I was like, what do you mean? Like, you no, know, go back to 2019, 2020, you know, just freeze the assessments, give Hoosiers like a year's worth of relief. But as you mentioned, the the assessments are based, based on fair market value, uh, which is based on the Supreme Court case. Right. And so, again, that's the standard that's really important to assessors, I think, is to make sure that um, the assessment side of the equation doesn't change. Right. Everybody needs to have the same standard. And it wouldn't be fair if, if the value of your house increased 15 percent and the value of my house only increased 1 percent. And um, we both got locked in at last year's values. That means I'm paying a bigger piece of the burden than I should based on fair market value. Uh, David, also, I want to pick your brain, too. Uh, if somebody wants to appeal uh, their property tax assessment or their property tax bill, help, help, help us walk through that process, because I don't think a lot of people necessarily know how that process works. But I've got a strain. My spider sense tells me that a lot of people are going to be interested in how that process works going forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's real easy. Again, I think the first thing they should do is uh, look at their property record card that is, is most likely online in, in most counties, and then um, look at comparable sales in their neighborhood. And if, if they haven't had many recently, they can always call the assessor, and the assessor can share with them the sales disclosure forms that are, uh, that are available to the public, and oftentimes those are online as well. But really, the first thing would just be a call to the assessor to make sure the description of the property is correct. And oftentimes, they'll just have a sort of an informal conversation. The taxpayer can produce some evidence, um, and, the, and the assessor can lower the value if there's evidence there to, um, to prove that, that the value should be lowered. And if they don't want to work with the assessor or the assessor denies it, there's something called a Property Tax Assessment Board of Appeals. That's a local board that's made up of local taxpayers. They can appeal their assessment to that board. And again, because they're local people, they understand what's happening to the market. They're sensitive to their neighbors, right? So they want to make sure that that value is correct. And that's really an informal process. It doesn't take a lot of effort on behalf of the of the taxpayer, but they have to bring some evidence um, to the PETA-BOA so that, again, they have the cause to, to lower the value. And if they don't agree with that, they can appeal to the Indiana Board of Tax Review. But when it gets to that level, it's much more like a trial and much more formal. Again, a taxpayer wouldn't have to hire an attorney or an appraiser, but 
um, because the evidence at, at that hearing needs to be detailed, uh, they really have to um, um, bring that evidence to the Indiana Board of Tax Review or they may not be successful. But generally, again, because assessors are elected, they want to make sure everybody's treated evenly and fairly, and they have no incentive to increase assessed value. So it's usually just that simple phone call or, or filling out uh, what's called an appeal form, which is available online, and send that in, and they'll try to make that accommodation as quickly as possible because the assessor is not looking for a confrontation with the taxpayer. They just want to make sure everybody's treated fairly. Uh, David, what has been going on uh, with, obviously we just spent a lot of our focus on this conversation on residential property. Uh, what about commercial and agriculture? They've seen some of these same like major increases uh, in property tax assessments in Indiana? Yeah, assessed value for agriculture is increasing. Again, their their value is determined really through a state formula, and it's based on commodity prices. So for years, uh, assessed value for ag has been decreasing, but this is the first year it's increased in probably the last six or seven years. And it's not increased a lot per acre, but if you own, you know, 40,000 acres, a $100 increase per acre um, could be noticeable. And then on the commercial side, um, it's really a mixed bag because a lot of it's due to the pandemic, right? So a lot of like office buildings in the downtown metropolitan areas, they might not be as a high demand. And so eventually the assessed values of those properties may decrease. Other properties like restaurants or income producing properties, um, the assessor uses the income approach to those properties to make sure that the value is reflected in how much income is being produced out of that uh, particular piece of commercial property. Now, now, you know, this past session, we had the long discussion about business personal property, and um, the state did not take action on that this year. But this is one of these unique dynamics about the property tax system. If assessed value for residential is increasing 10 or 12 percent, and assessed value for commercial properties only increasing 2 or 3 percent, that burden is shifting over to the residential side. And that's just really kind of how the system was put together. And... Uh, you know, that's something that we are at the General Assembly to always watch is from a class of property, who's paying what, and do we have a goal in the state of Indiana like 50% of our property taxes should be paid by residents? Is that is that an objective of ours, and we want to make sure the policies reflect that? So, you know, every year there's somebody who goes to the General Assembly asking for a property tax cut, and oftentimes what that does is results in somebody else's property taxes increasing. So that's something that we really urge the General Assembly uh, to be wary of and watch and to create a policy um, that their that their legislation um, follows. David Bodoff, the uh, head of the Indian Association of Counties, with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Uh, David, uh, like I said, it's interesting. Like we said, we talk about this whole process of, of, of property taxes and assessments and the whole nine yards. Uh, Help our audience out here. What do you think is one thing about property tax assessments that the general public just doesn't quite uh, fully understand or appreciate? Well, again, that it has to reflect the value of the property. And, and I know that can be frustrating. And we talk about gentrified neighborhoods and how that can uh, harm somebody um, who's been in the neighborhood for a long time, who hasn't updated their house. And again, that's where the taxpayer needs to contact the assessor and file that appeal and say, yes, the houses around me have increased in value 10, 12, 15 percent, but they've been renovated. And my house has not been renovated. And so the assessor can take that into consideration and 
and then lower that assessment. But sometimes a taxpayer has to do that because there's 2.6 million parcels in the state, right? There's 92 county assessors, and they have a staff who help evaluate this data. But generally, less than 2% of all parcels are ever appealed. So that's a pretty good success rate. But it, there are unique factors that the assessor is not going to know unless the taxpayer calls them and informs them of these unique situations as it pertains to their property. Uh, question for you. Uh, two, two more quick questions, my friend, before I let you go here. Uh, one thing a, a colleague of ours, uh, Mark Fisher of the uh, Indiana Association of Realtors, uh, mentioned the other day was that with, with, because of the pandemic, with folks sort of working from home, they realized that, hey, we need more space, need to do some remodeling. And that also could be part, sort of partially the reason why assessments are going up the way they are. Right. So, again, you know, you, the, the assessor's job is to reflect the market value. So if people are adding on to their house, you know, swimming pools have been a major investment the last couple of years, uh, backyard entertainment centers. And, again, um, the assessor has to take that into consideration. But really, it's when the properties like that transfer and they see the the sales data is when they're going to come in and increase a, a neighborhood. But again, it's not a perfect system. It's highly effective. I get 98% success rate, I would say. But again, that's where the taxpayer has to take some initiative and, and contact the assessor, go online, look at the assessed values of the properties in your neighborhood, go online and look to see what properties are selling for in your neighborhood. And, and that can help them um, ease some of their concerns that that maybe something's wrong. But again, that simple thing, that simple call to the, tax, to the assessor, uh, again, they're not looking for a confrontation. They would just want to make sure everybody's treated fairly. Uh, final question for you, my friend. Uh, we saw a technical correction day the, this past week as we record this conversation. Uh, there was some language about property tax appeals and some dates. What was going on there? Because it was eventually was, it was taken out. So I figured, let me just ask David. He doesn't know what the heck was going on with that. Yeah, so we had a unique situation where um, there's something called the burden-shifting statute that has been on the books probably originally since 2009, and that's when the, if the assessed value increases by more than 5% and the taxpayer appeals, the assessor has the burden of proof to show that the assessment's correct. And so for over 10 years, we operated under one set of standards, and um, eventually a taxpayer appealed the issue to the Supreme Court, and I think the Supreme Court looked at the statute and said, you know, maybe for the last 10 years um, this hasn't been interpreted exactly the way the statute reads. I think it was interpreted the way the policy was intended. And so in September of 2021, the Supreme Court um, uh, sort of overturned case law. And so this session, we uh, worked with the General Assembly and tried to uh, make sure that going forward, the policy that had been in place for the past 10 years is the policy we have going forward and what everybody intended. And so there was some language that passed in the last night of the session that, um, that repealed what was called the old burden-shifting statute and created another burden-shifting statute. And so really the question was, when the General Assembly repealed the old statute, what did, what did that mean for pending appeals? And that's, that language was in the technical corrections bill. And we just felt like that the language that was in there was not a technical correction. It was a substantive policy change. So we asked the General Assembly to pull that out so that, um, you know, the tax court could interpret it or that we can work with the General Assembly next time they meet 
to make sure that policy is fair for all taxpayers. All right. Like I said, when I saw that, and you, and you mentioned it, I was like, oh, let me just ask David just to double check. So just to make sure we're, yeah. we're all okay, we're all good. Our guest on the program today has been our good friend David Baldock. David is the head of the Indiana Association of Counties. David, my friend, thank you very much with sort of the, the property tax assessment one-on-one. And my spider sense tells me we'll probably be talking again real soon. Yeah, thanks. And I hope everybody has a great Memorial Day weekend. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.